Hello and welcome to the Process Automation Podcast, a podcast from AVB that shines a light on their process automation business area and the work they're doing around the world. I'm Fran Scott, a presenter, maker and all around engineering geek. Now, across the series, we'll be exploring the invisible force of automation, the fantastic processes that are in place under the surface that enable our everyday lives. From the phones in our hands to the water in our taps, ABB's technologies are behind the scenes, orchestrating industrial processes, machinery and systems to operate seamlessly and efficiently to enable our everyday In our previous episode, we looked at the world of emissions and the vital monitoring that takes place worldwide, and crucially, how ABB are providing solutions to help industries become more sustainable. Now, this consistent strive for a more sustainable planet is evident across ABB's work, and particularly in the sector we're looking at today. Today, we are taking things to the seas as we uncover the world of the marine industry, trying to understand just how vital it is to our planet. And this industry is huge. The International Chamber of Shipping estimates some 11 billion tonnes of goods are transported by ship each year. If you do the maths on that, that represents an impressive 1.5 tonnes per person on the planet. Now, currently, the industry accounts for a relatively small share of global CO2 emissions, so between 2 and 3%, and that's according to the International Maritime Organization. But as the world trade grows, some scientists have projected that these emissions could triple by 2050. So it's crucial that we make the shipping industry sustainable right now. So in this episode, we'll be speaking with Marcus Hugbloom to discuss how ABB is helping the industry in its decarbonisation efforts. And that's through a host of integrated solutions that can work together to increase efficiencies and cut emissions. We'll also hear from self-proclaimed ferry nerd, Johan Johannesson, who has designed an all-electric passenger ferry in Iceland. But first, we talk to Craig Eason, maritime journalist and owner of the industry news site Fathom World. Now, Craig spoke about the issues currently facing the shipping industry. But I started by asking Craig how he thinks the industry will be changed by our transition towards a sustainable future. That is a very tough question to answer. It's one that can play out in many different ways. And if you look at different organisations, they've come out with different scenarios as to how this could happen. We need to have technology regulation that is going to enable the transition to happen quickly and to ensure that it happens across the board. But we need to have the financing in place to do that as well. And that's the, the other part that has to come into this, and that is to have that sound financing to enable this transition. Obviously, I'm not as much of an expert as you are. So can we take a few steps back and I suppose look at the broader picture of shipping and what we mean when we talk about the shipping industry as a whole? I think one of the problems most people have is they talk about shipping as if it's one industry and it's not. It's it's a bit like one of those circular Zen diagrams that you can draw, but all these circles intersect with each other. The key aspect of all those intersections is the ship and the transportation 
of cargo, but you've got the technology companies, you've got the shipbuilders, you've got the finance, you've got the insurance, you've got the ports, you've got the seafarers, you've got the training of the seafarers, you've got assurance side of things, um, such as the classification societies, you've got technology companies that are developing solutions. Because ship owners and operators are not the ones that really design and build the ships. They are, if you're a large company, but it tends to be bespoke organizations that do all this so the shipping company is like a lego it's or a, this end diagram it's everything all stacked together and built together to make this whole international network as well so as well as being all of those lego pieces or circles it's also interacting internationally with other circles so it's yeah it's it's a very complex structure if you want to look at it that way but it's very simple in the fact that it wants to get a product, it's the cargo from one place to the other, or to get the people on the ships from one port to the other, if it's a ferry or a cruise ships, or provide the services that they have to do. But ships are very big. They're huge. I mean, it's, it's, it's no word of a lie that, you know, your house, my house, is the size of the accommodation block on some of these ships, and the cargo space that is huge in front of the uh, the cargoes, front of the accommodation, you know, that's massive, absolutely massive. I've been inside LNG carrier um, cargo tanks and oil tanker tanks, and they're huge. You can, you know, everybody uses sort of a metaphor of football pitches and that, but you can fit baseball courts stacked on top of each other in some of these tanks. They're magnificent things to look at. So it's an incredibly humble experience to be working on a ship of that that size and to think that, wow, you know, this ship was built in a shipyard. It's the Ships are the largest things that we as humans can make that are mobile. We put rockets up into space. That's fantastic. That, you know, that's the great technology there. But if you look at the size of the ship and think that there are hundreds of thousands of ships this size going around the world doing their thing and they need crew on board they need the technology supervision on it they've got digitalization solutions that are increasingly being put on board and now we've got this huge increase in the environmental footprint of uh, the pressure on the environmental footprint of ships to make sure that they don't do some of the things that they were doing 50 or 60 years ago that they are a lot cleaner um, and more sustainable if you think about the shipping industry a lot of it is very industrial it's almost invisible you, uh, you go and ask the girl and boy on the street in, the, in, the, in your local high school, what is shipping? How do you get your goods into your store? And they will have no idea. It's an invisible industry. But you talk about the ferries that go over to the Isle of Wight. You talk about what goes on in Dover, what goes on in Liverpool. And they'll talk to you about the ferries. They'll talk to you about the big white cruise ships that come into the ports. You know, in, if, they go, if you go into America and you go down to the Bahamas, you're going to look at these gleaming big white ships in, in the Caribbean. So it's a very visible part of our sector, of our industry. Gosh, Craig, um, that is a lot to take in. And also, I am green with envy in terms of the things that you've seen. My granddad used to be a shipbuilder, and I have this sort of draw to ships. And yeah, that phrase that you said in terms of they're the biggest things that we make as human beings that are mobile, I hadn't really thought of that before. But of course they are, and the engineering that goes into them and sort of everyone that is affected by what they do it is absolutely a huge industry. Do you have any sort of facts and figures in terms of how big? So not only the ships, but the industry as a whole. And I suppose who relies on 
this industry to go about their everyday life? Well, most of us rely on this industry. We all do. A lot of the things that we're used to buying are being shipped around the world on container ships. A lot of the oil that we need, a lot of the gas that we need comes in on ships. We need ships. If you're living in the UK and you're going abroad, chances are you may fly, but every now and then you want to take your car, you're going to need a ship if, unless you're taking the Eurotunnel. Boats are used on many different things. So, you know, research of the oceans requires a lot, a lot of technology and a lot of ships. In, t- in terms of size, I, I've heard in terms of large ships, I've heard a range of numbers on the number of ships that are in, in service, ranging from sort of 50,000 to almost 150 thousand vessels but all of these ships get designed built and that takes a long time it's not like you can just say oh i want to have the latest tesla tomorrow or here it comes i'm gonna have to well these days you may have to wait a little bit longer than you want but even in uh, in terms of those figures to order a ship and get it tomorrow or even this year is nigh on impossible you're gonna have to design it build it and then have it delivered you've got to get it all the security safety checks done on it and um, decide how it's going to get into operation. So ships take a couple of years to actually, large ships, that is, will take a couple of years. And of course, now we're looking at how we can stop using traditional bunker fuels um, because we're on a road to decarbonize the shipping industry. As you know, general society, you know, we're all aware of the Paris Agreement, but at the IMO, the International Maritime Organization, there's this agreement that shipping is going to play its part and have that same sort of percentage cut. And for me, one of the things that I'm particularly interested in is this increasing automation when it comes to the ships. So when you talk about this transformation, this change, does that include the automization of ships or the increased automization of ships? It has to. This transformation won't happen without this whole automation and digitalization happening as well. Two reasons for that, I'd say. One is we are increasingly needing shipping to be a a part of that overall supply chain and that transport chain. So it needs to be a connected part. So automation and digitalization is key to that integration, the sharing of data, the sharing of information, understanding where a ship is and how it's being operated is paramount for that and being able to do that safely as well so this goes back to what i was saying about having all of these things interconnected if you've got an automated ship or partly automated ship let's say not only have you got more efficiency you've got better control of safety hopefully on the ship so you're able then to turn around to the crew and say we're looking after you we've got a safer system here for you to do so if rather than going onto deck and manhandling winches and ropes and cranes and having the risks that come with that but being able to control them remotely and not be in the environment where there is risk that is a bonus for any seafarer able to do that some companies um get in and have a relationship with a technology company in the industry it tends to be called sort of early mover if you're the early mover and you're moving ahead of regulations because this is what's kind of going to be happening and has happened frequently in the shipping industry and they develop a solution that solution gets put onto a ship in a test scenario only to find that the regulations mean that that test bed that vessel is no longer compliant with that technology on board so craig when you talk about these companies sort of reaching out for this new technology and being those early adopters that's a brave move on their part isn't it now bear in mind that the cruise sector and the passenger ferries are so visible to shipping. 
and sometimes the whole industry, but crews and uh, and ferry get a lot of get get it in the neck from certain environmental groups because it's easy for the environmental groups to turn around to the general public and say, look, here's the ship, you know, here's the problem with it. But a lot of development goes into the kind of solutions that are going to be used in shipping. And they will often, you'll find some of them going into into the, the cruise and ferry sectors because that's, it's, it's a very, it's a good avenue and it's a good complex sector that needs that sort of evolution. But the challenge is... Because traditionally a lot of the regulations have been very prescriptive, they've tended to start evolving. You've seen the the pressure to change and a technology company will come up with an idea, but that idea hasn't got any legs until it's put onto a ship. So it needs to be, to an extent, marinized, not marinated, marinized. You put something on a ship to marinize it, you've got to put it through its tests to see if it works properly. It sounds like it's a really interesting time, potentially, because you've got all these innovations that are needing to be happen and, you know, prototypes that are needed to be implemented to see how it plays out. So, yes, it's risky, but is it an exciting time in shipping? It's an extremely exciting time. Um, There are so many changes. If you look at how the data is coming off the ship and what we can do with the data, if you look at how the systems are improving, we're going somewhere with this industry. It is transforming. It is changing. So to be where I am today and sort of writing about and covering that transformation is it's, it's like a kid in the candy store. absolutely clear that digitalization is needed in the shipping industry but it's not only that if we consider that the entire technological setup on board a ship is absolutely key then electrical systems form an important part of this automation picture now electrification of vehicles as you probably know has been growing in popularity with electric car sales they were up a whopping 186% in 2020 and they are still rising and the shipping industry is no different and it's on a steady path towards electrification in fact already today there are ships in operation that are fully electric and we're not just talking about one or two Maritime Battery Forum estimates that today there is an impressive 472 ships with batteries that are in operation. But there is still some way to go to electrify more of the world's fleet. But is the technology there to make this happen? Well, engineers have made a start by looking at the electrification of passenger vessels. To understand more about the practicalities of this and how the electrification of ships is possible, I spoke to ABB's Marcus Hogbloom, who heads up the passenger segment in ABB's Marine and Ports Division. Shipping industry is going through a very big change at the moment. Because of regulations, because of fuel efficiency and so on, uh, there's, a, there's a change in, in, in how we have to do things and electrification is, is, is the key. So from our point of view, uh, things are, are moving in a, in, in a good direction and solutions are there and that's the good news. So what sort of solutions are you working on? Is there anything in particular you can share with us? As I see it, when you start designing a ship, if you start it with electrification, so like the backbone of the ship is electric, then you have all the opportunities for, for current energy and for future energy to do that. 
And it's really a game of directing the energy that suits your route, your service the best. And for shorter distance, like ferries with the batteries, we have a very good solution that you can go more or less emission-free from, from point A to point B, from point C. Uh, for a little bit larger vessels like cruise vessels, there is already quite much electrification going on, but we, we have now the tools with battery and with fuel cells uh, with hydrogen that also can at least reduce the emissions quite significantly from the technology we have today. But for lower powers, let's say up to to less than 20 megawatts, we have a system we call the DC grid system, which is basically enable you to install uh, many different uh, energy sources with as little losses as possible into the propulsion plant that then transfers the electrical power to the mechanical power to the propeller and to the hotel and so on. So basically, it's 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 a system where you can just hook on batteries, fuel cells, diesels. You can have diesels driven by hydrogen or or, or by biofuel or something like. That. You can use a multiple of sources to make a green transition. A little bit like a car, you know. Sometimes a hybrid car is the best. Sometimes a fully electric car is is the best one. So, Marcus, in terms of when it comes to electrifying a ship, obviously it involves electricity and batteries in some way but can you talk me through how you get the power onto the ship and how it is used for the various processes that a ship needs in order to function sure let's take a battery driven ferry so basically you have a you have a shore side that is connected to utilities meaning the the power plants and and, and, and the grid and when the ferry comes in uh, it will be connected and, and depending a little bit on the power it will be either you know connected automatically, which is the most normal way, and, and for the higher powered ones, it can even we even have you know robotic connection systems. So as soon as the ship is is as and you should do this as soon as possible, you connect the, the ship to the grid and then you start to charge the systems uh, with power. And then depending a little bit on the power, you either charge it with low voltage direct current or you do it with high voltage if it's more power that is required. This power is then loaded into the batteries of the ships. So when the batteries are fully charged, there is a signal to disconnect and you disconnect it. And then the batteries start to power the ship. And this power is then distributed roughly for a ferry. I think you know, about 70-80% would be distributed into the, to the propellers. And that goes from the batteries, basically from the converters to the electrical motors, and then now to the propellers. And then you have about 20% that is then distributed to the hotel. So hotel is air condition, uh, kitchen, you know, lights, all the things that, that is, is used for the passenger on board and plus some winches and, and other stuff. But the main, main thing is the propulsion. So to make an efficient propulsion plant is, is, is really key. And uh, then the ship would use the batteries, either only batteries or it would be a hybrid that you use uh, another power source. Could be, for example, a diesel engine, could be a fuel cell if, if you do a zero emission one. Um, so in terms of the practical nature of it, as far as I'm getting so far, you are okay with the electrification of the smaller vessels and the ones sort of, I suppose, doing short trips. And you're looking at then making it applicable to the larger vessels. But just on a practical nature, how do you charge these ships? Like, talk me through the process of how this electrification works practically. That's very interesting because that's something that I think ABB is very on the forefront. We are a leader of, of automobile charging already 
but the polish we have to transfer it to these ships are of course much much bigger the biggest ones we are doing now is around 11 megawatt charging we will have 11,000 volts to be charged with high voltage so some of the biggest charges we have they, they in principle you you charge the equivalent of 70 tesla cars in, in in 10 minutes which is quite cool if you take it like that but of course this takes a lot of power out from the grid at a very fast point so you need to also be communicate to the to the utilities and the power plants and everything like that that you set up to do it and but that's again where abb has its history and its knowledge but we even have on the drawing board bigger systems. You know, we even have looking at systems on, on the 20, 30 megawatt range now for ferries up to 200 meters that fully battery powered. So if you think that you can, you know, the technology would allow us today to design a ferry that's over 200 meter long that can only go with batteries, can take 3000 lane meter and, and maybe 2500 passengers. I can travel for two and a half hours and it's total emission free provided, of course, the electricity is green, but we're getting to that. So there's a lot of these things we are looking into, and, and it's it's very exciting. It's a lot of studies that has to be done, but of course, it's huge. It's very interesting and to build this future, this green future in, in this way. So in terms of the sustainability, it's having these other factors and other influences. And I suppose on that note, with electrification being such a, a force towards combating climate change, how do you ensure that the energy that you're using to charge your batteries comes from clean sources? Well, we have tools that we, we, we can, of course, use, but ultimately, of course, that comes up to the user that they have to have a green energy. For example, have a solution where you have a battery shore side that you load the ship with, and then you can ensure that that battery is only loaded with, with wind power or with water power. But the ships we have, most of them are doing only wind or green power or something like that. So in many places there is, a, especially at night, there's a lot of excess of wind. And so for you, Marcus, why is electrification the answer? Because it's flexible, it's future-proof, it has very good environmental, you know, not only, as I said, for the environment, but also for the closed environment, like the city, it's there. We have actually done electrification for ships for over 100 years in ABB. To make an electrical plant is nothing new for us. So, so a lot of the technology is there, but of course we are also always involving it to get it better and so on. But but it's it's relatively safe. I mean, it's used by a lot of other industries as well. If you look at the car industry, you know, I think nobody's questioning now if, if electrical cars will be working or not. It's already well proven and it will come to ships as well. It also enhances, you know, Digitalization, you know, it's coming. It, it 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 will be a part of that electrification. Digitalization goes hand in hand. We have over one thousand ships already that we are monitoring our our propulsion systems and plants, you know, remotely. So even the ship is is far away. It's never alone. From my point of view, it's the future, and it's the answer to many of the challenges we have. Having said that, of course, it, it, it's it's of course complex and it's uh, things, but. There is possibility to do it, so no question about that. And uh, companies like ABB is there to, to support. It is incredible to think that ABB have been involved with electrification of ships for more than 100 years. Just imagine how they have developed over that time. 
and moving from ferries to larger vessels. There's going to be a huge amount of learning that can be taken from smaller projects and then used on a larger scale. You've got electric, digital, and connected systems working on board seamlessly together, and that is the key. Along with, of course, the expertise of skilled people who design, plan, and set up these systems to work in the most optimal way. Now, to understand the technologies behind all of this and how integrated systems on board ships can be put into practice commercially, I spoke to Johan Johannesson, a naval architect who works as an advisor for numerous ferry companies across the Northern Hemisphere. Along with being a self-proclaimed ferry nerd, Johannes has worked on the design for an electric passenger ferry in Iceland. And we discuss the reasons behind the design and why it is such a significant move. Yeah, the concept is a traditional row-row ferry, uh, which is able to serve the passenger cars and trucks. And this, this was w- uh, what the need was. Uh, we started as a traditional ferry with uh, with diesel engines, though diesel electric. But at the same time, here in Denmark, I was working together with Skylines, converting the ferries between Denmark and Germany to hybrid ferries. I had already experience with what that did and how big advantage this was. So already before we went out, I introduced that we should actually make this ferry also as a hybrid ferry. And in the end, if possible, make it full electrical. And you have to think about this was in 2014. So it was very early in all these things. But the Ministry of Interior and the guys, when I explained what we were doing, they were all for it. And as, and as you know, Icelandic is 100% renewable energy. Uh, so, so for them, uh, using electrical as a prime power for a ferry was uh, actually uh, a natural thing. And so, Johannes, you're a naval architect. And how different is it designing a vessel that's going to be run on electricity and batteries compared to one that's going to be run on conventional fuels, let's say? All the ferries I have been made since late 80s uh, have all been not pure electrical, but they have been diesel electric. So you produce electric by diesel engine and then the rest of the ferry is operating as an electrical ferry so so the jump is not so very big the only the big jump is that you have instead of being depending on pure diesel engines you have a uh, have this extra power source which is there ready all the time with full power And so could you help me understand a little bit where ABB are involved in all of this process? ABB was the sole supplier of the whole system. Wow. If we take the Azure system, you have electrical supply from Azure, the same supply as you get into your house. It's not an easy thing to do in terms of using my knowledge of um, electricity, in terms of just making sure that the frequency is sustained and making sure that it's transformed in the right way and going from AC to DC. That needs careful monitoring, doesn't it? Yes, that needs careful monitoring and and, and controlling. Uh, And of course, you have uh, automation for doing that. And, and you cannot do it without very careful uh, automation, but, uh, but the ABB had 
made a very careful, uh, you could say, investigation before that, and they knew exactly how to do it. We were not in doubt that ABB could do it. Um, for our ferry, because it was so early in this, uh, the yard choose ABB because they could deliver everything. Uh, and and the owners also chose ABB, uh, very recommended by me, uh, that we also had the charging system. Because uh, one thing is the ferry, another thing is the charging system. It's, it is one unit. It is not like it is split up. It is one unit. And, and, and only one of the equipment items that doesn't work, then the chain doesn't work. This is crucial, that everything works together. Daily, you don't think about it because it does. And this is what this is part of a stable technical system that the things are working together. And this type of system, that's what's needed to be able to produce these electric ferries. Like without this system, electric ferries wouldn't be possible. Exactly. That is that is not no doubt. You, if you go from normal diesel electric ferry to a, a pure electric ferry as here. The base for the whole electrical system, if it is a diesel electric, it is the diesel engine and the generator that is controlling or stabilizing the whole system. Here it is the batteries. It is the batteries that are the core for this. All of a sudden, the diesel engines are only producing energy. The system is not depending on they are running or not. It is the batteries that is the basis for for everything. So Johannes, if we concentrate a bit more on electric vessels generally, what are the standout features of electric vessels? What are the advantages of using them? First of all, the reason why we want to do it is actually so we can, uh, on a ferry, use energy that is produced by sustainable methods. That is the base for it, actually. If we talk about hybrid ferry, uh, the main reason for wanting to go from diesel electric to a hybrid ferry, there are two reasons. One is that we save energy because we can run the engines uh, much more efficient. And another thing is this, that we have full power all the time. You could say saving energy actually pays for uh, this transformation from normal to hybrid. And then you get this full power uh, as an advantage on top. So what do you think the future of shipping is going to look like now that you have sort of carved the way with these electrical ferries? Now, you could say, you could say for the ferry business, uh, we are in Norway and, uh, and uh, we are, all of us, transforming all the ferries uh, to this electrical operation where it can be done. If you have a longer crossing, then uh, the batteries has a limitation. So it is mostly the shuttle ferries we can do it now because the energy content of the batteries is still not very high. So uh, you could say if you have a crossing more than about one hour, then normally you need also to produce uh, some energy on board. And today we don't have many solutions for that. But we are working on uh, solutions using, uh, especially here in Denmark, uh, methanol. So, and I think this will uh, slowly, slowly go parallel uh, and the transformation will come. I'm no doubt. It has been absolutely 
absolutely fascinating to delve into this industry that affects every single one of us, but happens with us just being blind to it and how the automation of the industry is not only helping it become more efficient but is also helping it on its route to become more sustainable and its route to electrification and the monitoring that's needed around that unfortunately that is it for this episode a massive thank you to craig eason marcus hugbloom and johan johannesson for their brilliant insight and expertise I'm Fran Scott, and the Process Automation Podcast is a fresh air production for ABB. Follow or subscribe now for free wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.